Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Yes, we're back with Gil, and we are going to finish our conversation about the sieges of Jerusalem. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Gil. Hello, Gil. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> We left our last episode with a little cliffhanger. Gil was about to say who he thought was a Babylonian agent. Um, and do you know Zedekiah. who I think was a Babylonian agent? Who? Jeremiah. How about that? And, and just by looking at the facts, okay? So the mm -hmm. facts are he was fiercely pro-Babylonian, mm -hmm. kissed the ass of Nebuchadnezzar in every text that he wrote. He tried mm -hmm. to leave Jerusalem While it was under siege, he was arrested for trying to leave because, you know, under siege, arrested by uh, the Judeans. They were accusing mm -hmm. him of, of, of switching over to the enemy, accusing him of okay. working for the enemy. They put him in the prison and he was in the prison while Jerusalem was sacked and the head Babylonian general knew where he was. How did he know where he was? Came to look right. for him personally in the prison took him out, gave him loads of stuff, animals, money, loads of stuff, and told him, you can choose where to go. You can go with the rest of, the, of, of your people uh, to captivity. But, you know, they hated him, so he didn't want to go there. You can stay, do whatever you want to do, bye. So why, yeah. would they, why would they save him? How would they know who he is? Why would they give him all this money? They're <laughs> mm -hmm. Oxum's razor, right? Yeah, exactly. It, like, like logic would dictate that, you know, he was, he was right, but, you know, uh -huh. he was, uh, I think he was an agent. I don't know how else would they know this Kakameka prophet of this Kakameka people in this uh, Kakameka city. 
Right. I, I mean, we've we, I found out from this research I did on that was that pretty much everything was is intertwined in the intelligence services. Like when your ministers or your people had to go see the king or you had to go see the king to check on his health, that was awful. You had all these reports where because you didn't have like satellites and, you know, radios and communication. If you need if you're running an empire, you got to know what's happening or somebody's going to just show up and siege your city. And if you want to take a city, you don't want to take us. You don't want to have to pull down the walls and deal with all that stuff. You know, that takes a long angel of death might come up. So, I mean, you know, the Assyrians took Babylon a couple of times without really much of a fight by just working with the factions inside there, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so that was yeah. like a thing. So, and you know what? This is how the Babylonians uh, fell also. Uh, Cyrus, uh, the great of the Persians, exactly. he worked with the Babylonian factions within Babylonia to, to put him exactly. in charge. Interesting. Okay. There's been, this stuff's been going on all through history, you know? Yeah. The Ancient Art of War was written much later, but still, it was being used. Yeah, it was based on something, right? And now right. that you mentioned it... Don't fight unless you know. I, and now I'm remembering that uh, at first, Jeremiah describes himself, you know, a little bit destitute, and then suddenly he has money to buy all this land, and, he's, mm. and, and how did he get this money? And he's buying the land as a political uh, statement that... I believe that we can rebuild once we cut a deal with the Babylonians. Like he bought uh, lands under Babylonian control. I think, I think he was an inside, uh, an inside man. Yeah. So basically you're saying that his, his, the book of Jeremiah is not uh, inspired by God to be a moral um, you know, way to live your life. <laughs> no. I, if, you read the, if you succeed somehow in reading Jeremiah, you will see that this is a very, very tortured soul. He was mm-hmm. actually also tortured by his political enemies on the, how do you call it, this uh, device where they turn you upside down? Ooh, like happy. a rack or something? Like a what? A rack? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was tortured. He was put in, uh, like, in uh, holes, like in dungeons. Uh, Maybe he was normal Like on The Princess Bride. They turned it all the way up to 10. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And he gets, uh, you know, crazier and crazier as, uh, you know, events unfold because it seems to have been just like, it's like Berlin with the Russians and the Americans coming on both sides. And this is just like the end of the world style feeling in the city you know people are hungry and and you have refugees from all over Judea pouring into Jerusalem and everybody knows unless there's a miracle from Yahweh this is over because the Babylonians they never lose to you know these little kingdoms and the the descriptions are very very you know gut-wrenching Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So this is like the, this is in the 580s. This is around 589 when they started the second siege, and they were gonna they weren't gonna take any. At this time, they weren't they weren't surrendering and they weren't um going to let them go. And the king who rebelled, quote-unquote, he wasn't taken uh, to get uh, oil rations <laughs> in Babylon. No. So the Kaya, he tried to run away with the, with the majority of his army, but left the city und- undefended once the walls were breached. So uh, he was caught. All his children were, were killed in front of him, and then his eyes were gouged out. And he was taken uh, walking all the way to Babylonia to live as long as li- a life as possible with the, the last... This is like Kaiser Sosa style shit. Like the last thing that you see is your children dying. Unfucking believable I know. That is just insane. This is insane. It really is. I mean, that's like hardcore gangster stuff. Wow. It's like, you know, I mean, like, uh, it's like cartel stuff. Yeah. On a geopolitical level. Yeah, yeah. These right. are it's the like people who the rule. Yeah, yeah. I think the cartel is. A, I think it's a. It's a very good way to to understand the mindset. And this is pretty much we 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 have that in the Bible, and I think we also have it in the. We have it anywhere else. I wonder if we have it in the Babylonian. I know we say that they got him, that they brought him to Babylon in the Babylonian um, chronicle, but it definitely says in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's, and I I think we talked about it that. So this is a super, super, super dramatic event for the people uh, going through it, I, you know, on the Hebrew side. I'm sure for the Babylonians, this was just like another day, <laughs> another city <Yeah. laughs> that we're sacking. Yeah. So in one way, it's very super, super dramatic. But, uh, you know, if you look at it in another way, this is just like uh, one of uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cities who have suffered similar fates by other Babylonians or the Assyrians gone yeah. through exactly the same thing, but we don't know anything about it. None of the drama. It's just like a line in the Babylonian uh, chronicle. This Then this city was taken, and you have no right. idea of the politics and the drama and a prophet that is an agent, and he has to hide, and he's thrown in prison. Right. Wow. We only have that through the Bible and Jerusalem that really fleshes out the, this uh, historical event and, you know, gives it uh, life. <laughs> Super. So, so, like, I'm using that also to just, like, you know, try to uh, appreciate that this was like a universal Mesopotamian experience of getting pummeled by either either the Assyrians or the Babylonians, and then going to exile or staying in in a you know in a ravaged land. So, through the Bible, mm-hmm. we can learn about what this world was like for the vast majority of the people living in Mesopotamia. It was a very very harsh neighborhood. I guess it's I guess it's um, because that faction that did go to Babylon was so religious, and because the and because the religion was different than the other. I mean, we know that they were polytheistic in a lot of ways too, and there was probably polytheistic factions. But whatever this faction was there, I mean, they wrote this. We don't have anything about Byblos and and 
Tyre and all these other people that got destroyed by the Babylonians. We lost everything, right? I mean, it's all written on paper. The Bible's written on paper, but it, because of their, I guess, you know, religious fervor in this particular faction is why we have it. And we, I guess we could extrapolate what happened to these other places, but they just, they wrote about their, about their pain yeah. and suffering, but I guess... I wonder yeah I wonder why I wonder if maybe this specific culture the Hebrew culture was just like uh, you know very much into literature and writing more yeah. than the other places I like I don't know we don't know it looks right. like it you know it makes sense that that would be the case but maybe it's also just like the way that history unfolded later that may that allows us to have these books because then the Hebrews returned and then the There was a Maccabean uh, whatever government later, like a Hebrew government that spread the Bible over and over. And then uh, the, the Romans came in and, it had, and spread the Hebrews everywhere. So they took their Bible everywhere. And then Christians adopted it. So this is why we have it. I wonder if things have gone some other way, if maybe we would have, you know, a Biblosian uh, Bible or something. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it's the people or because, I mean, it's still today. I mean, it really seems like wherever they go, they sort of shine, <laughs> you know, make their... But I, I want to make sure we step back and let um, do a little bit of the history. But so what happened, right? So we're in like, I think the siege was like 30 months, something like that, where all this horror was happening. And then they finally tore down the walls. They breached the walls when, you know... Um, Zedekiah left, got his eyes gouged out. But then it was, was a horrible, the most horrible thing is that they burned down the first temple. Uh-huh. Well, they call it the first temple. They burned down the temple of Solomon, right? Yeah, not, not of Solomon, but yeah. The Solomon is a, That they call it, a fictional guess, right. character, but yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's, so yeah, this the is why they call, that's why they call this the first temple period. Yeah, because the there was a temple was uh, built later. So this is, it's like the first world war, you know, was just the great war. And then it became the first world war when there was another world war. So this became exactly. the first temple only when a hundred or so years later, they, when they came back, they rebuilt the temple. Right. But this is a temple that, that is important mostly for the hawkish zealot faction. It's not okay. important for all Hebrews. Because the Hebrews right. who were not hawkish They prayed to all kinds of, uh, through stones, like in Genesis, if you yeah. read the rituals there, this is not, uh, there's no temple there. So the, right, they would, uh, the poles or the groves, the sacred groves and the Asherah poles and stuff like that. Yeah, all kinds of, uh, like they weren't uh, strict about, uh, about that kind of stuff. About a lot of stuff they weren't, uh, they were, you know, they were more like, uh, I don't know, progressive, uh, liberal, uh, whatever you want to call it. compared to the more yeah. conservative, uh, hawkish uh, political faction. I was kind of under the impression, too, that the, it was the priest class, that it was, they were making money that way by, you know, you have to have a good, a good clean sheep or a good clean bird or a good clean whatever it is, and they would cut it. You know, they would, you know, sacrifice it for you in the temple, you know, just bring everybody into the temple. I believe it wasn't Hezekiah was the one that sort of yeah, yeah, brought yeah, that yeah, in. Yeah. Destroyed the other temples, then, uh, right. Right. What was the last guy? Um, Josiah right right he sort of he smashed all the last right. poles and the Asherah poles and all that and wanted to bring it into the temple sort of a money-making thing I, I I just remembered something about your point earlier about how these people were more zealot somehow so maybe like than the you know average uh, religious uh, Mesopotamian people so just like a theory that Assyrians basically when they came over they when they destroyed your city and your temple they took your god yeah right they took everybody's gods 
Yeah. So I thought maybe this was just like <laughs> part of the reason that the Hebrew God became invisible. And oh. you, like he doesn't have a statue. You can't take him. You can't take a, oh. a, a they God. Because they kept attacking it. Oh, yeah, just like, like you can't threaten us with, uh, with taking our God because he's uh, invisible. And maybe when the God turned invisible, that, you know, unlocked some kind of religious fervor, you know, that we know today. <laughs> because when God That's a really invisible. good point. But when did they even have statues? I don't even recall thinking of a Judean. Did they have statues of Yahweh? How do we know that they had statues of Yahweh? This I will give credit to a scholar called uh, Igal Benun. The fact that they had to destroy the statues tells you that there were statues. And he reads, for example, the, like the laws of Deuteronomy, what you can and cannot have. And everything that, that you cannot have and do, just like you assume that this was something that was going on. So this is why you have now yeah. a law against it. It's not just that now the U.S. president will come out with a law against uh, throwing, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some random thing. There is something going on in society, then you have to enact a law to respond to it in some way or another. So through mm-hmm. that, through the restrictions, you learn that there were definitely statues of Yahweh up to, I think, the 600s uh, BCE. I can't okay. see why not. I can't see. Yeah. I just had never thought of that. Maybe seven hundreds BC. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. What about the Ark of the Covenant? Would that kind of be like the statue where God lived? I think this is a later invention oh, okay. and just like a wild goose chase into something uh, mystical and vague. I don't think this mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of. Uh, w- I don't think it was meaningful in that time. I think it's just a story written mm-hmm. later. It's so true you said I hadn't, hadn't thought of that, but the statue. I mean, like we just talked about in, um, so now that Babylon took over Assyria, they got all the stuff back because they had the Marduk statue was in, was in Assyria. They couldn't do their New Year's celebration. They had Marduk's bed. Wow. That was one thing they returned, you know. It was like he couldn't make love in his bed because it was a creating, because he didn't have his bed. I mean, it's crazy stuff, but you don't really hear about the Hebrews like having like all these statues that they took. They took the Elamite statues. All but. Right. They must have eliminated their statues a long time before. Maybe that's why they did have this fear, because they didn't believe. Like the Assyrians, like they had a mouth opening ceremony for the the statues. Like you had to feed the statue. You had to, you know, the God lived there. And you don't really hear that with the Hebrews. They're a little more, almost to say advanced, right? Because we think that's silly now. I mean, you know, now they they have their God as visible. So that's more, you know, advanced, I guess, because we we still have the same invisible God here to people who believe in such a thing. Yeah, it also like... Yeah, when the God becomes invisible, he just like gives you, first of all, your God travels with you. It's not a local yeah. God. He goes with you wherever, you know, and, yeah. and then God loves you, you know, wherever yeah. you are. So this is just like gives you so many options. Then if the God is restricted, for example, if you go to India, you know, they pray to statues. So this is only attractive for people who grew up in that culture like it would be very difficult for someone who wasn't uh, you know raised in india to switch his his or her religion to hinduism because that's right. very very specific you know if you don't if you know it's hard how can i relate now to these statues but if you're but it's easier to switch to a religion to an invisible god because then you can imagine it however you want to imagine it 
Yeah, you just I hate to you. say it though. The Catholics they do pray to the statues of virgins, especially like in. <laughs> when, I just came back yeah, from Italy and they, the they were praying to the statue of the Madonna, you know, and all those things. Yeah, when the God is invisible, He can even be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He can be anything. Oh, for sure. It's just like a mind one, hack. Like, oh. <laughs> God, like, first of all, they can't steal our God, and they didn't understand that this concept, you know, could deteriorate <laughs> into, yeah. and devolve into our, uh, what we have today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Asher was supposedly a God with made up all the gods of him and all that kind of thing, too. But then, then so now while the Hebrews are in, um, in uh, Babylon... Oh, that comes later, though, when the Persians take over. So I'm going to talk about. No, we'll talk about that later. Still, uh, because they definitely. Ch- I feel the religion changes after <laughs> that, but we that would be a spoiler. Right. We can talk uh, when you get to the 450s. Oh, that's all when right. uh, Ezra is uh, is coming back. Ezra the scribe, and he's like, I think maybe the most influential person who ever lived. I don't know. Because he, whatever, I'm not going to get into that. I'm sure you're going to cover that in your podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. definitely, like I said, you guys definitely, if you're interested in this this type of thing, which I am and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, I, I just went to Sweden to um, to meet some of our listeners and people. And I know they love this stuff. I, I'm going to tell you, Swedish people, not against anyone else, but Swedish people are super smart. Oh. I mean, they are really, really smart. And um, so uh, we have a lot of Swedish listeners. So I think you will enjoy Gil's podcast. I don't think we even said you're actually in Israel. That's where you live, right? right. That's where you are right now. Yeah. Still. Yeah. <laughs> Counting the days right. until I'm uh, out of here. <laughs> where are you going to go? I want to be a digital nomad in Europe. That's what I want to do. Yeah? That yeah. sounds good. I have to wait that my daughter grow, uh, grows uh, older. So I think, I mean, I think if, you know, if you have any other thing to add to, um, to what we talked about, I mean... Yeah. Jerusalem is is sacked, gone. The, everybody is in Babylon. The only people left are the poor farmers. So, so this is something that is actually also written in the book of Jeremiah. And for some reason, it is completely ignored by historians. I don't understand it because there is a clear historical account that after the Babylonians left, you had like masses and masses of elite Hebrews who were part of the pragmatic faction. They were allowed to stay, but they couldn't. They had all kind of rogue people killing the the head person, the head Hebrew that the Babylonians put in charge, and they just said, "Screw it, we're gonna immigrate to mm-hmm. Egypt." And this oh, became yes, the, very the very successful uh, Jewish community in Egypt that later translated the Bible, and uh, in Alexandria they thrived. So the, these people moved to Egypt after the Babylonian exile. So you had like the, okay. the hawkish faction that they were exiled and the rest just like immigrated to Egypt. Okay. No, but nobody built a ship and sailed to the New World, right? We know that's <laughs> not a true thing. It's, we don't think anyway. I think for them that Egypt was kind of that because this is, this is yeah. how Genesis concludes with this uh, dreamy Egypt where everything is beautiful and nice and fine. This is like Frodo going to the, you know, to the land uh, beyond the, the sea or something. It's like Joseph, too, the story of Joseph going to Egypt, too, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about, uh, about Joseph and, you know, the, the sons of Jacob. This is basically just like a symbolic story, literature about the tribes, the actual, actual tribes, actual hundreds okay. and hundreds and thousands of people who immigrated. So this is just a literature about it, the end of Genesis. Right. This is how I look at it. At least. I mean, I so recommend you guys check out this podcast because I, 
after doing Gary's podcast and then yours, I really feel like I have a good understanding of what the Bible actually is. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows exactly, but I have a much better understanding of what it is. Yeah, I feel like I'm learning uh, a ton through the stories because these are just stories. If yeah. you look at, it, at them as stories, first of all, they're great stories, like really, really special yeah. stories. And also, this just to circle it back to our topic, the fact that we can viscerally uh, uh, read, no, the fact that we can read what the, the people going through this universal Mesopotamian experience, what they went through and read through their texts, the, 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 you know, the pain and the tragedy, mm-hmm. I think this yeah. is, we are privileged that we can, you know, get an insight into their experience from, you know, 2,500 years away. Yeah. And I can really feel what they went through. Wow. Mind-boggling. And it is different from what happened in the West. The Greeks have a wholly different, totally different experience. Yeah, it's a different world, completely different world. Totally different world. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I thank you very much. I think we have, I think we could I think we got it all in, right? Yeah, thank you, Bernie. It was a lot of fun. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.